Question 51 of Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 51 of Christ's Burial in Four Articles We have now to consider Christ's Burial, concerning which there are four points of inquiry. First, whether it was fitting for Christ to be buried. Second, concerning the manner of his burial. Third, whether his body was decomposed in the tomb. Fourth, concerning the length of time he lay in the tomb. First article, whether it was fitting for Christ to be buried. Objection one. It would seem unfitting for Christ to have been buried, because it is said of him in Psalm 87, verse 6, He is become as a man without help, free among the dead. But the bodies of the dead are enclosed in a tomb, which seems contrary to liberty. Therefore, it does not seem fitting for Christ to have been buried. Objection to further. Nothing should be done to Christ, except it was helpful to our salvation. But Christ's burial seems in no way to be conducive to our salvation. Therefore, it was not fitting for him to be buried. Objection 3 further. It seems out of place for God, who is above the high heavens, to be laid in the earth. But what befalls the dead body of Christ is attributed to God by reason of the union. Therefore, it appears to be unbecoming for Christ to be buried. On the contrary, our Lord said, in Matthew 26, verse 10, of the woman who anointed him, She has wrought a good work upon me. And then he added, in Matthew 26, verse 12, For she, in pouring this ointment upon my body, hath done it for my burial. I answer that, it was fitting for Christ to be buried. First of all, to establish the truth of his death, for no one is laid in the grave unless there be certainty of death. Hence we read in Mark 15, verses 44 and 45, that Pilate, by diligent inquiry, assured himself of Christ's death before granting leave for his burial. Secondly, because by Christ's rising from the grave, to them who are in the grave, Hope is given of rising again through him, according to John 5, verses 25 through 28. All that there are in the graves shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Thirdly, as an example to them who, dying spiritually to their sins, are hidden away from the disturbance of men. Psalm 30, verse 21. Hence it is said in Colossians 3.3, 3, You are dead, 
and your life is hid with Christ in God. Wherefore the baptized likewise, who through Christ's death die to sins, are as it were buried with Christ by immersion, according to Romans 6.4. We are buried together with Christ by baptism into death. Reply to Objection 1. Though buried, Christ proved himself free among the dead, since, although imprisoned in the tomb, he could not be hindered from going forth by rising again. Reply to Objection 2. As Christ's death wrought our salvation, so likewise did his burial. Hence Jerome says, in his commentary on the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, by Christ's burial we rise again. And on Isaiah 53, 9, He shall give the ungodly for his burial. A gloss says, He shall give to God the Father the Gentiles who were without godliness, because he purchased them by his death and burial. Reply to Objection 3. As is said in a discourse made at the Council of Ephesus, Nothing that saves man is derogatory to God, showing him to be not passable but merciful. And in another discourse of the same council, God does not repute anything as an injury which is an occasion of men's salvation. Thus thou shalt not deem God's nature to be so vile as though it may sometimes be subjected to injuries. Second article, whether Christ was buried in a becoming manner. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ was buried in an unbecoming manner, for his burial should be in keeping with his death. But Christ underwent a most shameful death, according to Wisdom 2.20. Let us condemn him to a most shameful death. It seems, therefore, unbecoming for honorable burial to be accorded to Christ, inasmuch as he was buried by men of position, namely by Joseph of Arimathea, who was a noble counsellor, to use Mark's expression, in Mark 15.43, and by Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the Jews, as John states in chapter 3, verse 1. Objection to further nothing should be done to christ which might set an example of wastefulness but it seems to savor of waste that in order to bury christ nicodemus came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about one hundred pounds of weight as is recorded by john in chapter nineteen verse thirty nine especially since a woman came beforehand to anoint his body for the burial as mark relates in chapter fourteen verse twenty eight Consequently, this was not done becomingly with regard to Christ. Objection 3 further. It is not becoming for anything done to be inconsistent with itself. But Christ's burial on the one hand was simple, because Joseph wrapped his body in a clean linen cloth, as is related by Matthew 27 verse 59. But not with gold or gems or silk as Jerome observes, yet on the other hand there appears to have been some display, inasmuch as they buried him with fragrant spices, according to John 
Consequently, the manner of Christ's burial does not seem to have been seemly. Objection for further. What things soever were written, especially of Christ, were written for our learning, according to Romans chapter 15, verse 4. But some of the things written in the Gospels touching Christ's burial in no wise seem to pertain to our instruction, as that he was buried in a garden, in a tomb which was not his own, which was new, and hewed out in a rock. Therefore, the manner of Christ's burial was not becoming. On the contrary, it is written in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, and his sepulchre shall be glorious. I answer that. The manner of Christ's burial is shown to be seemly in three respects. First, to confirm faith in his death and resurrection. Secondly, to commend the devotion of those who gave him burial. Hence Augustine says in On the City of God 1, The Gospel mentions as praiseworthy the deed of those who received his body from the cross, and with due care and reverence, wrapped it up and buried it. Thirdly, as to the mystery whereby those are molded who are buried together with Christ into death, according to Romans 6.4. Reply to Objection 1. With regard to Christ's death, his patience and constancy in enduring death are commended, and all the more that his death was the more despicable. But in his honorable burial we can see the power of the dying man who, even in death, frustrated the intent of his murderers, and was buried with honor, and thereby is foreshadowed the devotion of the faithful who in the time to come were to serve the dead Christ. Reply to Objection 2 on that expression of the evangelist, in John 19.40, that they buried him, as the manner of the Jews is to bury, Augustine says in his commentary, He admonishes us that in offices of this kind, which are rendered to the dead, the custom of each nation should be observed. Now it was the custom of this people to anoint bodies with various spices in order the longer to preserve them from corruption. Accordingly, it is said in On Christian Teaching 3 that, in all such things it is not the use thereof, but the luxury of the user that is at fault. And further on, what in other persons is frequently criminal, in a divine or prophetic person is a sign of something great. For myrrh and aloes, by their bitterness, denote penance by which man keeps Christ within himself without the corruption of sin, while the odor of the anointments expresses good report. Reply to Objection 3 Myrrh and aloes were used on Christ's body in order that it might be preserved from corruption, and this seemed to imply a certain need in the body. Hence the example is set us that we may lawfully use precious things medicinally from the need of preserving our body. 
but the wrapping up of the body was merely a question of becoming propriety. And we ought to content ourselves with simplicity in such things. Yet, as Jerome observes, by this act was denoted that he swathes Jesus in clean linen, who receives him with a pure soul. Hence, as Bede says on Mark 15.46, The church's custom has prevailed for the sacrifice of the altar to be offered not upon silk, nor upon dyed cloth, but on linen of the earth, as the Lord's body was buried in a clean winding sheet. Reply to Objection 4. Christ was buried in a garden to express that by his death and burial we are delivered from the death which we incur through Adam's sin committed in the garden of paradise. But for this, was our Lord buried in the grave of a stranger, as Augustine says in a sermon, number 248. Because he died for the salvation of others, and a sepulchre is the abode of death. Also the extent of the poverty endured for us can be thereby estimated. Since he who while living had no home, after death was laid to rest in another's tomb, and being naked was clothed by Joseph. But he is laid in a new sepulchre, as Jerome observes on Matthew 27.60, lest after the resurrection it might be pretended that someone else had risen, while the other corpses remained. The new sepulchre can also denote Mary's virginal womb. And furthermore, it may be understood that all of us are renewed by Christ's burial, death and corruption being destroyed. Moreover, he was buried in a monument hewn out of a rock, as Jerome says on Matthew 27, verse 64. Lest, if it had been constructed of many stones, they might say that he was stolen away by digging away the foundations of the tomb. Hence the great stone which was set shows that the tomb could not be opened except by the help of many hands. Again, if he had been buried in the earth, they might have said, they dug up the soil and stole him away, as Augustine observes. Hilary in his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 33, gives the mystical interpretation, saying that, By the teaching of the apostles, Christ is born into the stony heart of the Gentile, for it is hewn out by the process of teaching, unpolished and new, untenanted and open to the entrance of the fear of God. And since not besides him must enter into our hearts, a great stone is rolled against the floor. Furthermore, as Origen says in his commentary on Matthew 35, It was not written by hazard. Joseph wrapped Christ's body in a clean winding sheet and placed it in a new monument, and that he rolled a great stone, because all things around the body of Jesus are clean and new and exceedingly great. Third article, whether Christ's body was reduced to dust in the tomb. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ's body was reduced to dust in the tomb. 
for just as man dies in punishment for his first parent's sin so also does he return to dust since it was said to the first man after his sin dust thou art and into dust thou shalt return genesis three nineteen but christ endured death in order to deliver us from death therefore his body ought to be made to return to dust so as to free us from the same penalty objection to further christ's body was of the same nature as ours but directly after death our bodies begin to dissolve into dust and are disposed towards putrefaction because when the natural heat departs there supervenes heat from without which causes corruption therefore it seems that the same thing happened to christ's body objection three further as stated above in article one christ willed to be buried in order to furnish men with the hope of rising likewise from the grave consequently he sought likewise to return to dust so as to give them who have returned to dust the hope of rising from the dust on the contrary it is written in psalm fifteen verse ten nor wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption and damascene in on the true faith three expounds this of the corruption which comes of dissolving into elements i answer that it was not fitting for christ's body to putrefy or in any way be reduced to dust since the putrefaction of any body comes of that body's infirmity of nature which can no longer hold the body together but as was said above in question fifty article one second reply christ's death ought not to come from weakness of nature lest it might not be believed to be voluntary and therefore he willed to die not from sickness but from suffering inflicted on him to which he gave himself up willingly and therefore lest his death might be ascribed to infirmity of nature christ did not wish his body to putrefy in any way or dissolve no matter how but for the manifestation of his divine power he willed that his body should continue incorrupt hence chrysostom says that with other men especially with such as have wrought strenuously their deeds shine forth in their lifetime but as soon as they die their deeds go with them but it is quite the contrary with christ because previous to the cross all is sadness and weakness but as soon as he is crucified everything comes to light in order that you may learn it was not an ordinary man that was crucified reply to objection one since christ was not subject to sin neither was he prone to die or to return to dust yet of his own will he endured death for our salvation for the reasons alleged above in question fifty one article one but had his body putrefied or dissolved this fact would have been detrimental to man's salvation for it would not have seemed credible that the divine power was in him 
Hence, it is on his behalf that it is written in Psalm 19, verse 10, What profit is there in my blood, whilst I go down to corruption? As if he were to say, If my body corrupt, the profit of the blood shed will be lost. Reply to Objection 2. Christ's body was a subject of corruption according to the condition of its passable nature, but not as to the deserving cause of putrefaction, which is sin. But the divine power preserved Christ's body from putrefying, just as it raised it up from death. Reply to Objection 3. Christ rose from the tomb by divine power, which is not narrowed within bounds. Consequently, his rising from the grave was a sufficient argument to prove that men are to be raised up by divine power, not only from their graves, but also from any dust whatever. Fourth Article Whether Christ was in the tomb only one day and two nights. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ was not in the tomb during only one day and two nights, because he said in Matthew 12, verse 40, As Jonas was in the whale's belly three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. But he was in the heart of the earth while he was in the grave. Therefore, he was not in the tomb for only one day and two nights. Objection to Gregory says in a paschal homily, number 21, As Samson carried off the gates of Gaza during the night, even so Christ rose in the night, taking away the gates of hell. But after rising, he was not in the tomb. Therefore, he was not two whole nights in the grave. Objection 3 further. Light prevailed over darkness by Christ's death. But night belongs to darkness, and day to light. Therefore, it was more fitting for Christ's body to be in the tomb for two days and a night, rather than conversely. On the contrary, Augustine says in On the Trinity 4, there were thirty-six hours from the evening of his burial to the dawn of the resurrection, that is, a whole night with a whole day and a whole night. I answer that. The very time during which Christ remained in the tomb shows forth the effect of his death. For it was said above in question 50, article 6, that by Christ's death we were delivered from a twofold death namely, from the death of the soul and of the body. And this is signified by the two nights during which he remained in the tomb. But since his death did not come of sin, but was endured from charity, it has not the semblance of night, but of day. Consequently, it is denoted by the whole day during which Christ was in the sepulchre and so it was fitting for Christ to be in the sepulchre during one day and two nights. Reply to Objection 1 Augustine says in On the Consensus of the Evangelists 3, 
some men ignorant of scriptural language wished to compute as night those three hours from the sixth to the ninth hour during which the sun was darkened and as day those other three hours during which it was restored to the earth that is from the ninth hour until its setting for the coming night of the sabbath follows and if this be reckoned with its day there will already be two nights and two days now after the sabbath there follows the night of the first day of this sabbath that is of the dawning sunday on which the lord rose even so the reckoning of the three days and three nights will not stand it remains then to find the solution in the customary usage of the speech of the scriptures whereby the whole is understood from the part so that we are able to take a day and a night as one natural day and so the first day is computed from its ending during which christ died and was buried on the friday while the second day is an entire day with twenty-four hours of night and day while the night following belongs to the third day for as the primitive days were computed from light to night on account of man's future fall so these days are computed from the darkness to the daylight on account of man's resurrection as augustine says in on the trinity four reply to objection to as augustine says in on the trinity four christ rose with the dawn when light appears in part and still some part of the darkness of the night remains hence it is said of the women that when it was dark they came to the sepulchre john twenty verse one therefore in consequence of this darkness gregory says in his homily twenty one that christ rose in the middle of the night not that night is divided into two equal parts but during the night itself for the expression early can be taken as partly night and partly day from its fittingness with both reply to objection three the light prevailed so far in christ's death which is denoted by the one day that it dispelled the darkness of the two nights that is of our twofold death as stated above end of question fifty one read by michael shane craig lambert l c